0: Before we start today's podcast, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to the Second Citizens podcast and ask a favor of you if you have a second. Give us a five-star rating and a review on whatever your streaming platform of choice is. I know you're saying, wait, I have to give you a five-star rating? Well, I mean, that would be nice, but I'll make you a deal. You give us the five-star rating and then really say anything you like in the review. Be as mean as you can. I, I don't mind. I can take it. And it'd be worth it for that five-star review. And now, our episode. <laughs> Second City has created a huge spiderweb of performance opportunities over its 60-plus years. From its renowned main stage to its satellite theaters in Toronto, Detroit, Las Vegas, and Los Angeles, improv and comedy greats and wannabes have crossed its many venues. Second City also has a school and an arm that produces corporate shows for Fortune 500-type companies. They produce shows on cruise ships and have played Broadway. But one of their essential experiences for a Second City performer is to be a member of the National Touring Company. Although not every person who ends up writing or performing a show for the Second City starts in the touring company, for the vast majority of us, touring was our first major indoctrination in the Second City way. Traversing the country with a van full of idiots, whose only job is to make people laugh, can be a lot of fun, and at times can be almost no fun at all. But it's rare to find an alum who doesn't cherish their touring days. There are three tours out at any time, and they're usually color-coded for easy reference. Actors do need visuals. They're affectionately called Red Co., Blue Co., and Green Co., and you may have heard it referred to more than a few episodes of this podcast. It's based on the Barnum & Bailey Circus Companies. Now, today's guest, Matt Craig, was already in Blue Co. when I joined in 2000, and he was in every show with me for those years that I toured, and I'm sure we'll get into some of those stories. Charleston alone has enough to fill an episode. And though we never shared a Second City stage together after touring, I will always consider Matt to be vital to my experience at Second City, and it really wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that I probably would never have been on the main stage if not for Matt. For while the Second City is at its heart a comedy theater, it's also a business, and like any other place with a hierarchy, there are always politics at play. Now this is not to say that Matt was maneuvering behind people's backs to get his job. To the contrary, Matt taught me that it was okay to ask for what you wanted, and by being completely honest about these things, you cut through a lot of the crap that clogs up the works. If you consistently act this way with honesty and clarity, you eventually end up gaining the trust of your superiors to the point that they trust your opinions, sometimes even over their own. And so it was that when Matt Craig decided to step down from the Second City main stage, it was he who made the suggestion that I be his replacement, and for some reason they agreed. And I promise that if you ever have had the pleasure of watching Matt perform comedy, you would trust his opinions on the subject as well, because Matt Craig on stage improvising is a tour de force rarely seen. Honestly, he is one of a very small handful of performers who will regularly make me forget that I am in a show because I'm too happy watching him on stage. And if you know what a stage hog I am, you realize that this is the highest compliment that I can give. And now, Matt Craig. Matt Craig.
1: Woo, 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 yeah.
0: You are the first person who I toured with who I've had on the show, I
1: believe. Yes. Yeah, I've got... Um, touring was fun. Touring was a... Absolutely. was probably... It's one of those things that I think um, you said it pretty well, that when you're doing it, you kind of uh, um, are like, oh, you bitch about it more often, and then when when it's over, you have a tendency to look back and be like, man, that was the best.
0: So... So we were touring, and uh, before touring in Chicago, you had worked uh, at Brave New Workshop. Yes, that's correct, yeah. And were there any other Second City alums who came out of there?
1: Uh, There were uh, a handful of people who worked up there. And Ryerson. Got it. uh, Gelman worked up there for a while. That was his, like, first job. He, like, walked by and ended up being a janitor. Um, I want to say Steve Assad.
0: Okay. Steve Sheridan,
1: Sheridan, yes.
0: Well, we, uh, that's so. Those are all Second City uh, alums. And Ryerson, of course, the uh,
1: impetus for Ned Ryerson, the character <laughs> in uh, Groundhog's Day. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was. You know, Brave New Workshop was a small theater that technically preceded because it was an offshoot of the circus and Dudley Riggs at the time. It technically precedes Second City if you if you count Compass Players, then comp. There is the, that's so the ongoing thing. So these things both happened
0: the around the late fifties. Correct. That okay. is very correct. And this was happening up in Minnesota. Very, very true. And okay. so
1: at the time I was, I had taken classes in Chicago. I'd done the, 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 three, you know, the IO, uh, second city annoyance yep. had an opportunity to, I was trying to figure out a way to monetize improv. Sure. Had an opportunity. People Inst- are still doing that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, audition for boom, Chicago, Got Disney Cruise Lines at the same time, within the same week. I got these two gigs.
0: You got Boom and Disney? Yes. What, what year is this? You got Boom before I did.
1: This would have been 1998, yeah.
0: You would have gone out there with Seth?
1: I would have been out there with Seth, and I turned it down, and Josh went. His Josh brother. went. Josh got his spot, and Seth called me to say thank you for turning it down because my brother gets to come here now. <laughs> 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 and I ended up doing the Disney gig, which, okay, so, so just so you understand the connection— uh, the Brave New Workshop, through Mark Berg- Bergman, uh, Bergen, Bergen, yes. who was then at the time the artistic director of the theater and had worked at Disney, had gotten this gig from the Brave New Workshop to put improv shows on Disney cruise lines when they were expanding beyond the Big Red Boat. Right. Uh, they were having their own shows. They needed to utilize the spot that was usually for the casino. Oh, and because it's a family friendly boat. They turned it into a rock and roll lounge, a jazz lounge and a comedy lounge. that was going to do improv. That is how I got affiliated with the brave new workshop was it paid better than boom. It obviously included every. It was for me at the time. I was like, you look at it. Wow. Dollars yeah. Dollars, sure. And I was like, Oh, I should go here. And it's probably in hindsight, like one of my biggest regrets, I probably should have gone to boom and suffered it out a little bit and I would have had but who knows. Yeah I mean these
0: are the it's nice to have choices like that and of course unfortunately that's the way this this industry works is that you don't get those opportunities 3 years in a row or the 2 years you're unemployed you get them simultaneously so that you can only choose right. one.
1: Well and then you have a tendency to look at that's my problem is that I look at the people at boom who had a great time and who are now you know monumentally superstars? superstar yeah but you know, second
0: city has a pretty good record
1: but you but you you know you don't celebrate the ones that are like you know who's the guy or girl that went to boom that me fell apart me had a breakdown came oh there's home. a few there's a few you, that's what i mean you only look at the people you know you've it's second city does it too you look sure. and you're like oh my gosh stephen colbert but nobody's you know
0: that's the only reason i'm doing this podcast <laughs> so people know i worked at the second city yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, well, so anyway, that's how I got the connection. That's got how I it. worked on Disney Cruise Line. And those
0: really, at the time, you're talking about 1998, those are the only paying gigs that are not
1: Second City for it improvisers. Very true. At that time... Nothing. Boom, well, and even Boom. It, to be honest, Boom was, I wouldn't consider a paying gig. Boom, Boom Chicago
0: <laughs> at that time was just a couple years away from being a summer-only gig in the back of bars. I believe in 1998 they got their first theater... I worked there in ninety nine and two thousand. Those were the jobs that paid at the time. And you're right, Boom
1: Chicago was not quite That was the problem was that I had I had college loans and shit like that Absolutely. going on. So you're thinking about so you money. look at it and they were it ended up being like Boom was something like you got paid hundred bucks a show or whatever, four shows. It was like four hundred bucks a week. But the rent there was like $500, 600 bucks for a place. You would have been in like that cast then was when it first kind of
0: got its notoriety they may have gotten like a tv deal or something so things improved from that point but yeah you were in that transition if era. i had
1: gone i'd be seth seth's like ed mcmahon right
0: now so <clears> throat> now throat> let's get it so from tourco uh was there a gap between your touring days and getting onto the etc
1: uh yeah kind of okay y- you're not wrong when you say that i was constant i was uh i do think i'm more of a mover and a shaker and some of the other people that are around. So let me give you, you want me to give you a quick trajectory of how my life unfolds? Yes.
0: So so go ahead with your- So
1: I I took those classes. uh, I was bartending. I was having some success. I do think I was improving as a performer, et cetera, et cetera. I was a little bit frustrated with how long it took to get onto the stage and was like, if I'm going to be waiting that long, I would rather be making money doing what I want to do and not bartending and waiting around. So long story short, it was in the- The summer of 98 that I was like, I'm going to multitask. I auditioned for Boom. I auditioned for this Disney thing. I got the Disney thing. I went to Disney. I worked on Disney from 98 into 99, six months on the ship. While I was on the ship, that theater company, Brave New Workshop, thought enough of me that they offered me an opportunity to come back and be on their main stage in Minneapolis. So when I got off the ship in the spring of 99, I ended up moving to Minneapolis. These were the Matt Craig years of the Brave New Workshop. Right. Year and a half. I did five shows up there over the course of almost two calendar years. And the last show that I did up there, I uh, came down, I auditioned for the touring company, and then was hired for the touring company while I was living and working in Minneapolis. Went back down, this is 2000, toured for a year and a half with you. At the end of that, Brave New Workshop was having some serious issues for the same reason why mom and pop wasn't getting the same Long story short, they couldn't afford having a full cast anymore. They had to minimize it to a two-person cast. I had become friends with uh, a guy named Caleb McEwen, who I performed when I was up there, who was also on the ship with me. He wanted to do a two-person show. He asked me if I would be willing to come back and do it. I went back up there. We wrote a show called Martha Stewart Prison Vixen, which ran over the the winter, basically, up there uh, of two thousand. To like late so that's after you toured after I toured I quit touring like two years into it which at the time again nobody in their right mind would have quit and I know everybody at the time was like you're crazy and the yeah. other thing is when I came back from Minneapolis after I'd been gone for those three years I nobody knew who the hell I was because the turnover rate at places like I.O. and Annoyance was so fast yeah uh, so a lot of people assumed, I was a
0: big wig around town then. Yes,
1: that's true it was it was literally <laughs> like I disappeared and then people were surprised they were like, how did, where did you come from? Right, 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 right. Um, anyhow, so I went back, we did Martha Stewart. And while I was running Martha Stewart, I was, again, at this point, I owe a lot to Beth Kligerman who came up to see that show in Minneapolis. And she was the one who was like, hey. Your advocate. Yes. And so she was like, you should come back down. And so long story short, I got the ETC. When I came back down after that show was over, I, that's when I auditioned for Boom Chicago the second time. She was like, this guy's ready. I auditioned for Boom Chicago because they weren't sure if they were going to let me have it. And then I said, I got Boom Chicago. So I so got, they hired you twice. I was always super candid with what you said at the beginning of this. I told Boom Chicago that I was auditioning for them because when I'd come back, I did the Baby Once Candy in Edinburgh and I went to Boom Chicago. Right. And I did a couple of shows. And I, so the second time I saw those guys again, and it was. At that point, I was like, boom, Chicago has really come a long way yeah, it, since I auditioned yes. for him. And it was a legit, huge, awesome theater with great people. And the reputation had grown. And I really did have a nice time there. And they were the ones who said, you ought to audition. And I said, of course. Great. My, my rule of thumb, and as I'm sure all actors are like this, why the fuck wouldn't you And if
0: audition? somebody, if the person who's doing the hiring <laughs> asks you to audition,
1: yeah. always audition. So I was going back not knowing what I had. Those, <laughs> Those might Basically, be the only auditions yeah. you should do. <laughs> So I came back. I auditioned for Boom. I was candid with them. I basically said, if I get this, I'm going to use this. I'm going to go to Kelly Leonard at the time, and I'm going to say, look, you know, I'm back now. I can live here. I can work here. Or I'm going to go to Amsterdam. And Boom was kind enough to hire me. I think they knew that. I think they hoped that the chips would fall differently. But Kelly said, yeah, we'll hire you. And so because I got hired to the ETC, that's – so I went back. I went to the ETC.
0: So who got the job that time?
1: Amber Ruffin, I think, got that job. Well,
0: there you go. That works out. <laughs> that works out. Seth Meyers and Amber Ruffin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Josh, Josh, Myers. Josh, Josh Myers. Josh Myers. Myers. But still, it works Either out right, for everybody.
0: Everybody. It all works out for everybody. So again, you wisely, you knew what the situation was, and again, at the time, you know, Kelly is sometimes open when he's considering people for stuff. You know, and and I never know how many people he is serious with when he's telling it. But, you know, we've all had those talks. You, again, didn't go to Amsterdam, but you go to the ETC.
1: Well, and the big thing that Second City always has had is the the lure of we're Second City. And I don't think Second City at the time was used to people. You know, being like, if you're not going to give me a job, I'm going to go because there are other places. And at the time, I had a group of friends, uh, a handful of people who I had been fr- who took off to L.A. and were doing okay. Right. The Lance Barbers, the Ike Barinholtzes, the ones who were like, I'm not going to stick around and wait for this validation because you don't know if it really will matter in the long run. It still bl- blows my mind that I'll have conversations with people out here who don't know what Second City is because, from my point of view. How can you not? It's gotten so saturated. It's so.
0: Even in, yes, even amongst, but, look, Homer Simpson is Second City. Yes. That's, that's all you need to know. Uh, but yes, in Chicago, there's the lure of that. And I talk about that a lot. When you, when you get addicted to the drug of improv, that is the ultimate high. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's yeah, what you're yeah, yeah. shooting for, and and these are all appropriate references due to Del Close's association with the Second City. <laughs> Any drug references app. Yeah. So yeah, and and I, I I've I echo that that the draw of that is enough to keep you in town probably years longer. Now something I I like to discuss with people is, you know, sometimes people you like you said stay too long and don't get the job, right? You know. And I think if you stay and you get the job, even if it doesn't work out afterwards, you can feel all right about that. Yeah. But like, there, you're better off not staying. Whether you get we're going to get the job a lot or of not.
1: People, I think a lot of people don't know how to. There's this misconception, um, that that again, it's it's similar to what we were talking about earlier. There's there's this idea that you see Steve Carell and then you see Second City, and your brain is just like, oh, A to B. Right. <laughs> And so, a lot of people think that way about Second City. That is, like, once you get Second City, what a lot of people don't understand is that between that A to B, Carell had a, a long, difficult career. Like, yes, he is Carell now. Yeah. But there were 10 years where he was struggling and yep. having, you know, but we have a tendency. So, a lot of people put all their eggs in that basket, yep. in my opinion. Yeah. Male, female, no, and everybody I agree. just look at it like, and I think it's frustrating. And certainly at the time, especially when we went there, there was not. You know, I still, uh, our generation of people, none of us left there with representation. It was still incredibly hard to get representation when you were on a stage there when I was yep. there. Because and then
0: after the 50th anniversary, by oh, the way, boy. I, I, I some only... Some of the
1: people t- who got representation, well, like more but to uh,
0: I t- Everybody <laughs> did. So it doesn't matter. Like throughout every period of Second City, you take any chunk, any slice, any year of Second City, there is a strata of different talent none of it got representation many years good or bad yeah. after the 50th all of it got representation and for the and to be fair almost all of the talent that makes it to the stages is is good
1: oh yeah oh yeah
0: 98% i think 95% maybe uh, over the years is is i think for all intents and purposes worthy and you know mistakes get made well, here and was, there but the representation yeah. thing is the key
1: that had a lot to do too with the fact that they had a limited number of stages for many, many years. And then within like five years, they basically quad, no, they went from having ETC and main stage and Donnie's was kind of a hidden little, uh, like training center theater to having like six theaters in the building, 12 cruise ships around the, like all of a sudden it got, that's part of the problem. Yeah. That was part of the problem with the quality control. Just because yes, some of what more, you were talking right. earlier about, which is like having, it was mind boggling to me that there were times that I directed cruise ships for second city where people didn't even know what a suit was that I had to be like, you wear a suit on stage. <laughs> like, you know, like that's, that's, that's just a human thing that you should know. <laughs> that's not a, second, it, a You shouldn't there, have learned what a suit is. Well, one of the City. let me remind you that one of the, maybe it was prior to you get, but in blue co yeah. one of the first blue co tours that I went on for second city, uh, our mu- musician, who I uh, shall remain nameless, sure. showed up in his outfit, in his clothes, with a brown paper like a grocery sack, and no driver's license. Like just to get on a plane to get on a plane. Now, granted, <laughs> this would have been nineteen ninety nine, so you could do yes. it probably. Well, not, well he couldn't because of the the driver's license, right? But they were also like, this luggage doesn't close. Yeah. Like he was <laughs> trying to paper, check a <laughs> paper luggage. Which is like, anyhow. Yeah, well, but musical that was directors some of the charm. is another that thing. That was some of the charm of what we were talking about. You talking about it being a mom-and-pop store. When I went there, when I first went there in, like, the early 90s, when I was falling in love with Second City, it really did feel like a secret. It literally did feel like something that not that, even though it was packed, Yeah, it didn't feel like something that was uh, for the masses yet. It very much felt like, uh, you know.
0: You're exactly right. Mass pop culture, like, the The ability for a small thing to become huge with social media. So let's get back to now. Let's chronicle your time there. You're at the etc. What's the first show you wrote? It is uh, show title deemed indecent by the FCC. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So what was the show title supposed to be? Um,
1: jiggly bits and and <laughs> jiggly bits and and Oh <laughs> well, We got we're Oh, we're gonna
0: have to. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to beep that out. That was a
1: sure. uh, funny. The true. So that uh, that was my tit- That was the title I suggested. Okay, that was the title that Second City chose. Frank Caetty came up with one that was "Kissing Hands and Shaking Babies," which everybody loved. Oh yeah! And Second City picked that because at the time it was very uh, topical. But to this day, everybody in that cast still gives me a hard time because they're Is like, hey, "Well,
0: they, they never pick the funniest or best title." Yeah, and occasionally you still get a great one slaughterhouse five cattle zero that yes. might be one time where they really did yeah. just go with it yeah Furman is uh, unprecedented yes so uh, tell me about that first experience on the ETC
1: uh, it was it was pretty great I think it was a little bit uh, different than uh, to some extent what I expected it to be a little bit I think it was tricky you know you go from touring with a group of people and um, truthfully the shows that I had done up at the brave new workshop which Obviously, you know, preceded this, were much more scripted. They were much more, uh, you had an idea, you scripted it out a little bit, you kind of handed it out to your fellow cast members. Then you were allowed, like, once it was kind of memorized, to like fool around with it a little bit, play with the language, see where it was, and then it kind of got locked. This ETC one was a little bit different because it was um, Sue Gillen was our director. It was her first time directing a, a show as well. She had a lot of us that were new. So I think it initially had a little bit of that, like, um, just some 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 slings and arrows initially of, like, kind of figuring out, like, how are we going to do this? So I, I remember that the first, like, four to six weeks of that process, I was a little bit like, oh, my gosh. And like everybody else, I think I had the same slings and arrows that everybody has, which is like, am I being funny enough? Am I doing this stuff? Am I contributing enough? I also have a tendency, because of who I am, I end up playing a straight guy <laughs> a lot and helping to build that. But then once we made it past that moment, that hurdle in like six weeks in, those last four weeks, I, I recall it kind of coming together pretty quickly and feeling pretty good about it. Um, but again, a lot of what Second City shows are is that, and this comes into play decades later, but they're self-monitored. They're self-controlled. They're self, yeah. you know, a lot of that was like, if you had a problem, you addressed it. There was really no HR you could go to. Oh, or, no, you know, no, no.
0: HR, stuff. no. Occasionally the director might be uh, helpful. And I will say there are. I thought Alison Riley, in particular, as a producer, was sensitive to that. Yeah, and good at if there was something like that, handling it. Yeah, there yep. might be other names, but uh, that's the one that's coming to mind yeah. as as not necessarily fitting that profile. But there was no designated HR for years, and yeah. of course that you know we we that that. As it always does, comes to eventually bite you. Um, but
1: that show, that show came together, I thought pretty well. I don't think. I think at the time it was being. There were a couple of shows that had happened on the ETC relatively close to that, and some of it had to do with the nine nine eleven and the the tone of those shows. That there was still a period of time where I felt like uh, even the powers that be within Second City, if you weren't like really addressing, if you were doing fu- funny for funny sake, there there was this weird. Uh, wasn't fully supported the way it should have been. Like you know, truthfully, Second City, yes, it's a satirical theater, but funny is funny.
0: Well, and you've got to you've got to produce an hour and forty minutes of comedy, and yeah. if it's all straight hard hitting satire, yeah, that ain't gonna you got to loosen them up. Well, that's you always gotta,
1: a joke that I say is that, like, nobody remembers the first act when the second act ends. Like, you... you <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know?
0: Yes, you're right. And, le- yeah, you might call something back or whatever that, yes. that, that references the first act, but you got to keep going through the whole thing. Yeah. And, yes, you have to hit different notes within that whole thing. Yeah. Like, Dell would say, you know, I remember when I was in class, he was like, you know, he always was preaching you know serious and straight and 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 honest and everything anybody could be funny and he would take his teeth out and go. i bite myself
1: i bite myself and we would all just stand shocked at him Like, what the fuck is this man doing when i improvise I, i get to be a lot more silly than i did in any of my second city shows but that was that had a lot to do with it being a showcase it had a lot to do with it being a show that um the goal was to be funny and uh the ensemble kind of goal behind it was to support that. But that's always been my joke when I worked at Second City that I could walk out on stage and play like a giant chicken with Tourette's and I would still somehow, someone would come out and one-up me enough that I'd have, to. then I'd be like, now I'm the straight man as this giant chicken. So obviously Second City was founded in obviously 1959, that the the concept of gender roles in the 50s, that's the unfortunate truth is that they maintained a late 50s, early 60s gender role through the 90s <laughs> yeah uh, at, know, least
0: like, the, at least through the late 80s yeah, yeah
1: i mean it was that's the problem is it was like male or female and it wasn't even in consideration at the time that it was like what what sexual preference do they have or what background do they have or race, how, yes how do they identify yes. none of that stuff at the time was playing was a concern right and you know and they they still
0: and since it wasn't a concern they always just went with what they knew yeah Uh, which brings up the
1: second ETC show I did. Great, and let's go to that, Fear to Eternity. It It was Fear to Eternity, same director. We lost Sam Albert, not lost, but she (laughs) she quit. She left the show. She left the show, was replaced by Ithamar Enriquez, incredible talent, but that was also a four-man. to One of
0: the last ones probably. uh, But that
1: was another indication, I'm sure this will get me into some hot water, of Second City thinking that they could replace a woman with a man of color. And that it was an equal trade-off. So when there was blowback from that of people being like, "Why four men, two women? Right. Why isn't it?" You know, for years it took us to get to three and three. Yes, and they're they're in their mind, they're like, "But a woman and a man of color are the yeah the same. because well right
0: now all the people you're talking about again very talented super talented. but you're talking about what they may have been looked at when they were cast as, like, fulfilling a role.
1: Oh, yeah, right. Yes, that's exactly and, I'm looking at it from the perspective of Second City, not based on now, comedic. Sure,
0: but we were yeah. doing it, in. The, and again, this is in kind of the early years of the awakening of this kind of stuff, um, at least the awareness at the Second City to hire some diversity, but again, how they were doing it may have been in question.
1: Yeah, and that show, just real quick, based on what we had learned from the prior show, was infinitely easier, and I think content-wise was smoother and more playful. Well,
0: the second show, and this is something that comes up all the time, that first show, whether you're a director, I'm sure, and I haven't talked to too many of the directors yet, but whether you're a director, but I know from our perspective as an actor, that first show you described all those anxieties, but then the second one, many of those anxieties are quelled, uh, you may have additional ones that come up where it's like, oh, my whole catalog of like bits that I was gonna bring up when I got a second city show, I pitched those all. Yeah. So yeah, these right. are all for real new, right? Uh, but what was that experience better for? What made it? Yeah. You know, you know what I'm a- I'm asking, like, to tell me why it was better.
1: I think for me, at least, it was that I embraced like who. That first one, I think, I was so uh nervous to prove that I was worthy of being there. And I think the second show was more, um you know, not to use the NBA, but it's a little bit like your rookie year versus like, I've been here for a while now. Yeah. I get it. Yep. You know? And truthfully some of the people that I got to work with then were younger than I was, Ithamar being a great example. And he came in with the energy that I had like eight years prior. Yeah. Right. and, 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 and um, he was, that entire group of people, Pete Gross, Frank Cayetti, Becky Drysdale, Jen Bills, that group of people, super fun to work with. And I think that second show really was, for me, like, uh, let's see if you can't be a little bit more, like, oversee the entirety of the, the room and see how this whole thing, as opposed to feeling like you were amongst the horses running crazily, right? like, it right. felt a little bit more like, support these people, yes, each other more, right. and share the burden of the weight of it as well. And I think the show overall kind of like took off a little faster. I yeah. just remember that right out of the gate, that show felt more supported by, by, and you know, it could be both. It could be that, that, that first show title deemed indecent was a little bit uh, rougher around the edges. This one was a little bit smoother, had a more ethereal feel to it throughout. It was all about like lullaby, lullabies and how people sleep at night. There so, were
0: good themes in that yes, one. And the, I, and those are probably lessons also learned it's nice to have the consistency, actually, of a director and a cast two times in a row. Yes. Which happens happens less often than not. I don't know if I'm saying that right. More often than not, you mix up directors in shows yeah. where, you know, just, just to also mix up the flavor. But being it was her first show, then doing a second one, those lessons can immediately be put into place. And having a pretty consistent cast, it's the same. yeah, uh, With the exception of adding Ithamar. Again, who's got a great energy and everything. And in that cast, Pete Gross, I think, to me, becomes the most straight man. Yeah. You go to the second net with your silliness and Coyote. Yes. Uh,
1: he was so great.
0: And again, so, so the, again, it shows us time and time again, second time around, the consistency, the camaraderie that is so important to these shows, ben, uh, the, the outcome of that being better is a better show. And that show ran for a while. Uh, It did, Pretty popular show, I believe. That uh, did pretty well. And then you went right from there to the main.
1: I did, right around the holiday, actually. I unfortunately didn't get, like, that show ran for a long time, but I only ran it for, like... I'm paraphrasing this or making this up as four or five months because Boland quit the main stage and they promoted me to the main stage. And so pretty shortly thereafter, you
0: were running a different show while your show that you wrote is running in the theater next door.
1: Exactly. And so I went into Red Scare, Red Scare. And yeah. I ran that for almost nine months, I think, while because that did very well on the main stage. Did he
0: quit shortly after he opening? He did. He
1: quit like uh, six six weeks in or something. Wow, To okay. the point that like, <laughs> this is hilarious, but of the people that come up to me that say like, oh my gosh, I know you. I saw you. You're my first Second City show. 95% of those people are like, you were incredible in Red Scare. <laughs> yes. So the one show that I didn't write was the, was one, the one that, that I everybody probably, saw you in. Yes, because I too, my main stage show was erectile Dysfunction, which is the one that we put up right after that show. And I too was on that. I was only on that for like, four to five months or so before at the time the cruise ships were a really awesome deal. So yes. full full circle in my existence was that so let's,
0: yes. So so let's let's go back into this now. So you get promoted up to the main stage and that's what happens often is you know someone writes a show, not often six weeks in, but they they, they quit and now now what usually happens at Second City is whoever does that run of that show for five months, for six months, and bonds with the cast and everything, and really feels like they got a shot at getting that spot permanently. 95% of the time, that person does not get that spot. Yeah, yeah. And it's always like a crushing, heartbreaking thing. Yes. I could bring up so many names of people. And many of them do eventually
1: get onto a stage. But, but at it, this point, too. It's also yeah. like a rite of passage. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, that because that's, yeah, I mean... Cause that show that I was in that ETC show shut down while I was still doing red scare and got recast. And my wife was in it at the time she took over. Right. Right. And so she was in that show while I was on the main stage. Um, and then we both went to the cruise ship with the guarantee that when we came back, she would be able to go back. And when we came back, there was no spot for her. Right. So that's, that's how our time at second city ended, which is, we, uh,
0: so let's get a little bit. All right. So let's talk about a Then we'll get to that ending there. Uh, cause that is interesting because it, It did come at a, again, another transitional time where the corporate part of it is adding a lot of money and the job on a cruise ship is in many ways, especially early on, they eventually made it not as good, Yeah, but early on that job was comparable, if not in some way, except for the insurance, except better than the main stage, except for the insurance I'd say, paid more.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think if I had And insurance. you had no
0: expansion. You had no uh well, you might have had insurance from You we Second were City young. was
1: the only show or the only job I've ever been on that where as you got promoted, my pay went down.
0: Yeah, sometimes that When happens. I was
1: on touring company it was like hundred and twenty bucks a show. When you got to ETC it was like hundred and five bucks a show, and when you got to main stage it was like eighty five bucks a show because their argument was you have more shows. Right. But it was insane to me that when you went from the the ETC is hands down the best gig at Second City because it's fewer shows. You don't get taxed physically. The shows are enjoyable, with the exception of that late night. Friday it's not
0: the night same family. weekly pay anymore, though. You not oh, know What you, it is? Well, you get more. You get the same per show in each theater. Theater. Gotcha. So, you get, so the extra shows get you more money in main stage now. But
1: it was crazy that you go from doing six shows a week to eight shows a week, and you literally made something like a hundred and twenty dollars more.
0: Maybe. Yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe, and after taxes, when that probably was what less. You were paid
1: for one show. Yeah, it was it, it was widely known when, when I. That was the discussion we always had. Was when you're on main stage and you were like, and granted, and granted, at the time tickets were when I first started working in the box office. I think the main stage, uh, the the it was like eight and eight dollars te- for the touring company on Monday, and then it was like 10 twelve or, and. 12 on Thursday and like 13. Now it's so much more. By the time I was on main stage, it was like tw- at least $20. Right
0: now it's like 90 because they it's only have crazy. 30 seats to sell. I
1: know. So the
0: erectile dysfunction process, you went out up to the main stage again with another alum, uh, Ron West, who yes, had directed a directing. couple of other shows, yeah. directed that show. And the the war that is, that was the Iraq
1: war. So that's not the Afghanistan war exactly. No. But that-, that was a really good show that unfortunately chased Red Scare, which was a lauded, celebrated, um, you know, kind of a show. And that, that's also kind of the the burden, right? That, like, whatever show takes place after a show, that, and that's always how it kind of unfolds. But the show was really fun. The process was a little bit uh, stressful. It was a lot of – there was a lot more shakeup at the end of that than they expected. There was a lot of turnover. And, again, it was um, – for for me – uh, again, some of the stuff we were talking about where you took for granted the fact that you worked with people for a long time in Blueco and you, the ensemble was there over time. Yeah. When you toured with Blueco and you got to know it, like you and I are friends because of Blueco. Like yes, Frank and I are still, most of the people we're talking about, I've probably seen in here, you know, here, here it is 20 some odd years later. I've seen you, Pete Gross, Frank. I've seen most of these yeah. people in the last week Right. Right. You know, I mean, it's nuts. Yeah. Like, so that's that's what the pay is. Let, let me make this perfectly clear before we get cut off. No, we, the, he's are not going to cut us off. The, the takeaway from Second City was that the money was terrible. The insurance was terrible. Most of the administrative decisions there was terrible. But the friendships that you made and the people and the like mindedness, that's how you got paid. And that's what you take away from it. Um, the money got better. I just, uh, but the, yes, but, but the, (laughs) for with a dysfunction, what happened or what happens a lot, right. Is that that show ended and Geneville peak, a handful of people stepped down. Understandably they'd been touring or they'd been on that stage for a long time, but then you get thrown together with a group of people. And then like within two days, they're like, get up on stage and improvise. Like you have been touring together for years. Truthfully, the best way that I always said to them was to take a whole touring company that was doing really well and put them in its entirety onto a stage because then you already have hence the reason why that first etc show was a little bit of a struggle is because you've got people coming together and you're you know or or, yes or
0: when you finish a show let the show run for another month with the new cast member in it to get acclimated in with people so that when you're actually writing material with them you've got yes yes and again uh, the good of it is that you were able to make those suggestions. I was able to make suggestions. Yeah. And these suggestions that we would make did not come out of hating the theater. No. That's something that I've run into from time to time at the Boom Chicago, Second City, I.O., where I've been you know, almost fired, kicked out of all these places various times. Every time I've come back to the person and said, do you think I'm coming to you and saying this, which may be a bit critical, out of hate – I'm bringing it up because to fix it will make the place better. Now, the good is that sometimes we were given the opportunity to do that, whether or not it's always listened to. And again, I'm not saying we're always right. And so it's good that, you know, sometimes they may have listened to us and it would have been wrong. So right. it's like right. you 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 don't but know. But it's
1: very much what we're going through now. I mean, like their slings and arrows now are the same things, granted, on a heightened level, but it's always that the younger generation is going to try and con- Convince the people that have come before them yes. <laughs> of the path yes. that they, where they strayed. Yes, and right? again,
0: and, and, and I think the tension between producer and actor at Second City is fine if it's handled the right way. I've said these very words to Kelly Leonard, and then I've heard him verbatim repeat them on like WGN when he quit the first time. The people who you should hire for the Second City should be people who don't like their bosses.
1: Right. That's the problem. It's a satirical theater. That was part of, I ended up writing a walking tour for the historical society in conjunction with second city, which was all about it's found like where it came from, how it did. And I walked him around old town. Yeah. And the end of it was me talking about satirical and blah, blah, blah. And then I would get in there and I would say, and let me be candid with you guys look around you. This was now, you know, it was near the end. It was yeah. like 2003, four when I was doing this. And I would say like, you're walking into a building where we're selling books and t-shirts and we are now the man. Right. We, we became the thing. So if you didn't have a problem, it literally is like you cannot say that Second City isn't a huge Well, if you're going to make fun yeah. of government, you should be making fun of Second City. They sold they for
0: the $50 million. Thing. The yes. first show that opens at Second City now should be like, here, here's your $50 million comedy show. Yes. You know, yeah. uh, you, you got to lean into the fact that now, and that, you know, I don't I know. Got, if,
1: I got my check. I got a $200,000 check from Second City. Like, just for for all the wages. for the sale. Oh, yeah. nice, nice. Yeah, See nice. you worked that out.
0: <laughs> you negotiated that ahead of time. Yeah, it was great. All right, so let's just quickly, uh, and then I have a couple of like general Second City questions, um, because I know that you did still love working at the Second City, and I all did. these things, these problems come out of wanting it to be better. Yes. So the end game from the main stage, uh, you were were you thinking of leaving anyway, or did the ship convince you? Because what has happened, and and the about a year earlier from this time, Second City had started these cruise ships with Norwegian uh, cruise lines. I was on the first one, and it was two one-hour shows per 10-day cruise.
1: Give or take, yeah.
0: About it. And you were paid, you know, like $900 a week or something like that.
1: So you got, the irony is that the you were on a cruise ship. When I quit the main stage to go on a cruise ship, Yes, and you got my job. And you got my job on a cruise ship, I yes, suppose. Yes, basically.
0: Yes. And so you
1: left. And it was because at the time, I, first off, I never had any, you know, for me, I always knew that I was going to be in New York or LA at some point. Right. Uh, and so for me, it was very much like, I think I've run my course here. This job seems great. It would be an opportunity to travel around Europe at the time. It was six months in Europe. With your wife. With my wife. Who that is just one of the married. best tours
0: they ever did.
1: Yeah. And so that was it. Was It literally was, we can... I can stockpile this money. We can, you know, and then the plan was at the time was I was going to come back to Chicago with my wife. She was going to go into the ETC. She was going to finish up what she, yes. her her aspirations there. And I was going to teach or direct or do right. whatever.
0: And uh, we'll have Rebecca on at some yes. point uh, to get into more detail yes. about that. But again, that gets into the mechanizations of things. The good of it is that you can, you know, essentially mom and pop go in and get this prop promise but because it's not a corporate entity it's really just a handshake deal and yes. mom and pops you know all things changed
1: and a lot of things were starting to change really fast at yes. that point i mean it was look terrible what they did they made a promise they broke the promise when we got back it was heartbreaking to be quite honest but we then now looked, what was it supposed to be
0: because I, I wonder how that like so a show gets written and then the next cast for the next writing process shall be added in
1: yeah, basically what happened is the guy who was directing that show, Jim Carlson, had brought Rebecca in. She did the show. She wrote it. It was up and running. We had this opportunity to go. She was like, "If I, go, I don't want to lose this thing. Right. And so it literally was this opportunity that was like, I wasn't going to go on the ship. like, Right. And so long it's gotta story short, sure, they said to her, we absolutely will hold this spot for you. You can go on this ship. When you come back, you'll slide right back in and you'll write the next show. So she was like, Great. What happened, which happens so often, as you said before, was that we go on the ship, we come back, the director changes, the director wants different people, so the director basically says this is what So they accede
0: to the director's new exactly. wishes, yes. which are in contrast with that, because they didn't think ahead that far.
1: Yes, and because at the time, too, Second City has always misunderstood that it's not the fact that people are on the stage, it's actually the work, it's the people want to make people laugh, it's that people, so they're like, but you already got it. You're already in another back. Right, right. No, it's like, I I want to write another show. Yeah, we gave you the piece of candy, but the administrative side of Second City has never understood that it has really nothing to do with would or not your it. name is on a. An well, it may board. have
0: changed to that, though, at some point, because I think in recent years when the turnover has been faster and after the big success where everyone gets a manager, then suddenly it does change where, oh, I just have to do one show at Second City, and now I've got a manager. Well, why would I stay and do another show? Well,
1: and the loyalty used to be different. There were people who would do five, six, seven shows there in a row. And, They'd be but there as for we four pointed years. out,
0: you get better that second show, yep, so yep. why wouldn't you want to write a third one where you really get it? And then, again, diminishing returns yes. happen, but it benefits everybody when you have a more experienced cast.
1: But the good news was, was when we came back and we found out that Rebecca wasn't going to be able to go back on there, we literally were like, okay, put us back on a cruise ship. And we moved to on And then you didn't, you yeah, well, And we moved to LA.
0: There you go. And those cruise ships still paid pretty well.
1: And again, oh, yeah. I mean, we. And,
0: and yeah. Second City, you know, they'll still hire you after firing you or not rehiring. You. Like, yeah. the, the, I don't know if it's that the pool is too small for them to not afford to do that, but. Th- those stories happen all the time too, where you get hired, you get yeah. fired, you get hired for a better job after yeah. that. It's it's weird. It's like everything. All right, so you did have a good last night, though.
1: I did have a great last night. I like
0: uh, a great- there's a couple people, Rob Janis and uh, Angela Shelton didn't have last nights, and I was like, I know. Imagine that. We'll get uh, that's for another day. All right, so Ugh, now we've we've terrible. wrapped up your second city experience generally, but yeah. I'm going to get some philosophical. Do you remember? Being hired at the second, like... Oh, yeah. Like when you got hired, what that moment was like?
1: Yeah, I remember all of them. Sure. The tourco, the ETC, the main... This is a funny story, and I'll make it as fast as possible, but I was living at 1726 North Sedgwick in Old Town, and I distinctly remember walking out to my mailbox and getting a letter. At the time, you would audition, and they would send out letters, whether or not you got into the training center, into... And so I remember getting a letter being like, you got into the training center and going out like I had just fucking won the lottery. You know, like I had moved to Chicago. I'd been there. You go and audition to, so that you don't have to take the beginning levels. Like, you know, and I had improvised in college. So I was like, I don't know. Yep. I remember getting I remember auditioning, that letter, yep. yes, and being like, oh, my God, I fucking made it. And know? the letter
0: is really, congratulations, you'll only be giving us $1,500 instead of $2,400 over the next year.
1: But here's a crazy small-worldly story is that when I started directing, when I came back after all this fell apart, I ended up directing somewhere in the vicinity of, like, they have 14 to 16 cruise ships over the time that I lived in Los Angeles, going back to yeah. the idea that I moved to L.A. and they would fly me back all the time to direct cruise ships and I'd go on cruise ships, which was great. It was a really fun gig, low commitment, fun. I met some, again, you meet the most amazing people yeah. in these short little ways. They put me up, though, when I first came back, this was probably sometime in 2007 or 8, right, so years later. This is when Airbnbs were first coming into play, VRBOs. And they, they're they like, you're going to be staying here to direct this cruise ship. Right. And they put me up in the exact apartment that I rented when I first moved there in 1995. 1726, North Sedgwick, same, same apartment. Same apartment? Exactly, same apartment. And it was a studio apartment. Wow. Which meant there was only so much you could do with the space in there. It was like, that's the couch, that's the TV. And it was mind-boggling. So, And I remember all of it. I got... um. Uh, I was listening uh, hilariously. I got the phone call from Kelly Leonard when I was in my car in Minneapolis to come down to get into touring company, and that song "You Gotta Get What You Leave, Don't Give Up" was playing on the radio oh, when boy. I like turned it. So that so inspirational. Driving in Minneapolis, the uh, etc. phone call. Uh, I got face-to-face from Kelly when I was in his office, and the main stage was Robin Hammond calling me between Christmas and New Year's. I was in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. It was freezing out, and she called, and I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? I'm getting fired. Right, right, right. Why is she calling between now? Like, they yeah. need an understudy now. Yeah, I've, right, right. Whatever it was. Get to Chicago. And I walked outside without my coat on. And it was snowing. It was freezing. And... I was really emotional about it because like for a lot of us, it was like, that's the pinnacle. Like that's the goal yeah. of getting the main stage. And my father-in-law, uh, came out and I was like kind of teary eyed, And it was one of those moments. He is uh, obviously gave my wife, uh, a life, but, uh, <laughs> Not the guy you want to be emotional. No, 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 in front no, 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 no. He's basically Hannity. <laughs> and, I mean, it's hard to find a
0: father-in-law that fits that. Yeah, you but know. he like
1: came out and he saw. He was like, why, "Why are you crying?" And I was like, <laughs> "I got a job I liked," and I could just see that his respect level like went below the deck. <laughs> like you should hate goals. getting a job. You like, want oh go cry about a good news, baby. Oh. Hannity style.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, we should go out on that, but I will ask one last question because you are a brilliant improviser, as I said before. Uh, I only improvise with people who are brilliant improvisers now because I know that makes me look better. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, so, I appreciate it. Yeah. Not many people. So do um, you think the Second City is an improv theater or a sketch theater?
1: Sketch. Yeah. Sketch, for sure. Yeah, much more so than you think. The, to be quite honest, the format that Second City puts out there is like, this is how we write our shows. I don't think it ever really existed that way. I think there was some loose, some scenes, but I think that when you're, especially when you're putting together a show that has cohes- cohesiveness, there's always some like writing that really comes into play. But For the I skeleton will, of this show, certainly. But as you know, Frank and Matt was a show that I did with Frank Coyote, who I toured with Blueco, was an ETC with. He's out here in Los Angeles as well. That,
0: Relationships endure beyond the stages. We
1: did a show uh, that was 100% written that way, and, and, man, that is something to aspire to because it is a very joyous way to create a show if you can do it, but it requires um, a lot of love and faith between, you know, and it only, I think, could have happened because it was two of us. Yeah. I think when you get to the point that you're making, when now that we're trying to turn over shows at Second City in eight weeks or ten yeah. weeks, it's a tough and tall order to try and do it in a short amount of time. In that way, yeah.
0: All right, well, thank you very much, Matt. Oh my gosh, this was a pleasure. And I will see you, I don't know if I'll see you on stage soon. We'll see what happens with all these things, but I'll yeah. see you somewhere soon. Hopefully, smoking a joint, maybe in the back.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, right.
0: Hello there. Occasionally, our episodes run a little bit long. Actually, more than occasionally. And sometimes we cut some of the material for time. And some of those times, some of that material is actually pretty interesting and so we put it here at the end of the episode so if you've got a few more minutes we've got a couple more stories from this episode to tell you and if you don't well that's okay too we'll catch you next time
1: i believe yes yeah i've got um touring was fun touring was a absolutely was probably it's one of those things that i think um you said it pretty well that when you're doing it you kind of uh, um are like oh you bitch about it more often and then when when it's over, you have a tendency to look back and be like, man, that was the best. Yes.
0: And, and there are times even within it that there there are great things. I mean, the Charleston tour is kind of, uh, maybe not the best example of what touring is like, because it was like an extended run in a place, but that even is kind of more intense than touring because you're there for a month and it's just you guys and you don't even have any outside influence really. And so we did a Piccolo Spoleto festival, Correct. which you have returned to years afterwards. I We also yeah. uh, I went back uh, later on, but that whole experience where we were there for a long time, I remember a lot of yelling at various times. I remember some very funny stories. The one that I will just tell starting out <laughs> <laughs> is when you switch roommates and stuff uh, when you're in a place for a long time. And two of us at the time, uh, we were married. I believe Frank was married or he had a girlfriend. Either way, no,
1: he had a girlfriend, he wasn't married yet. Probably.
0: And I was married, and um, to Susan, I yes, think, at right?
1: the time, <laughs> yes, it was Susan <laughs>
0: who we've done an episode with. Uh, depends
1: on when we were touring, yes, that's, were true, that's
0: true, that's true, that's true, all these things. Anyway, moving on, um. So they came to visit our girlfriends, wives, whatever, during that month we were down there. And so the rooms would get switched around where the one, whoever's girlfriend or wife was there would get the single. And that made us switching around the other rooms. And you came to Frank Cayetti and I, who were the other two uh, cast members. Yeah, it's
1: important to note, too, that it was three men, three women. Yes. And then... In general, usually at the time, the musical director and the stage manager were men too. Yes. So the women generally had one room that was, one of them got a A single single room. And so they always had that perk. For the most part, if you were a man, you were always sharing your room unless your significant other came on along. So so just so you know, that's That's the problem is you're always and the stage manager
0: them. would get their own room because of equity rules or something like yes, that. Yes, correct. That so correct. that meant the others of us were all sharing. Yes. So uh, Matt comes into uh, we're talking backstage, and he's like, "Hey, you guys, um, do you notice that the musical director? And I won't say his name. We'll get into it later. But uh, the musical director that like he just lies on top of the sheets naked, napping." <laughs> And and so all of us had rooms with him, and Frank and I are like, no way, that has not happened to us (laughs) at all. It's Because apparently you walked into the room, and he's just sitting there. I like to think that it's because the Charleston
1: was so damn humid. Which is possible. But it wasn't just Charleston, and it was this musical director. I also think (laughs) of the three men that were currently touring at that time, you, me, and Frank, Kayeti, that I was probably the most – Emotionally uh, available, I don't know. Like this musical director, I think probably felt the safest or With the you? least judged. Yes, yeah, by oh me.
0: certainly, yes. But he
1: was I, you. I'm, when I say that he was laying on top of the, I mean like you would walk into the room, he was spread out, full. Wide, like an X, legs legs wide, arm. like the Vinci's man. The joke I used to make was that his scrotum was like a wacky wall crawler. <laughs> that it was like would be like suctioned, like a good eight inches pulled away. Okay, okay. oh my goodness. Anyhow, yeah, yeah. So
0: that's again, that is touring essentially,
1: and actually from that same
0: tour, you know, remember when um, Al Franken got canceled oh, from those yeah. pictures? Now that woman was asleep, to be fair but I have pictures of all us screwing around in hotel rooms. No one was asleep. Everyone was consenting. They're just fun, stupid pictures. Yes, But <laughs> it would get people canceled.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh,
0: anyway, yeah. so, so that was just a little Turco story. Uh,
1: there was also a, the, um, one of my favorite Charleston Turco stories was yeah, you and on. I, in particular, were going through that ongoing battle where we would try and punch the person in the back of your elbow. You'd try and, like, perfectly hit the spot on the back of your where your funny yes, bone is. Right. You get that tingly feeling.
0: Yes. If you punch somebody the right way that way. Yes. Yeah. And
1: if you don't, I'm sure you, you're you listening to Joe, but Joe is consistently annoying in that <laughs> kind of regard of, like, you know, nitpicky things. A couple other ways, too. So he, he had gotten me a couple of good times. There was a scene we were doing in the show where he had to make an entrance, and right before he was w- about to walk on stage – Probably the best shot I ever gotten in his elbow, and he had to walk out, and, and the whole scene was just like clenching his teeth. It was like, oh yes, it hurts he so was in bad, so much pain while he was on stage in front of, you know, what, what that was, was a, it? Three, it was a big theater. It was very people. good.
0: You got me on my last night too at Second City. You got me with yeah. one of those shots. Anyway, uh, so yeah, other touring stories are probably going to pop up too, uh, and whatnot. Like the first, my our my first tour. You and Rachel got in a fight right away at the first restaurant we went to. It was hilarious. I was just—it like, we was
1: on the highway, I think, leading to it. If it's the one I'm thinking of, we're, well, we're the going fight, to Nashville. But
0: then, yes, but then once we were in the restaurant, is Ugh. when the fight really took off. I also yes. got in a big fight with Jen Bills because she left a show to get her phone. These are all great, and again, these are friends. But yeah, yeah. but at the time, the fights were real yeah. and just. Well, and, that was I, a
1: joke with Jen Bills, is you could stop at like the seediest gas station in the middle of nowhere. And she would come out 20 minutes later with, like, four bags of... Yes. (laughs) Somehow. Yes. Uh, Uh,
0: Anyway, those are the idiosyncrasies that everyone develops that you just, you know, you start uh, making fun of and, and, and eventually bother you. Yes. Thanks for listening to another episode of Second Citizens. I'm your host, Joe Canale, asking you nicely to follow us on Twitter at Second Citizens or on Instagram at Second Citizens Pod. Also, since you're listening... Why don't you give us a five-star rating and any kind of review that you like, good or bad, as long as that rating is five-star. And if it's a funny enough review, maybe I'll even read it in an episode. I don't fear insults.